1: Hey everyone, it's me, Rebecca. I'm currently on maternity leave, and while I'm away, we picked out some of our earlier episodes from the No Limits Vault so that you can get caught up and enjoy while I'm off. And just so you know, I pre-recorded this, so I actually am spending time with my baby right now. Bye! And then I have gotten to a place multiple times where
0: I'm just like no I'm actually just going to dive into who I am you know it's not like I don't need to prove to be the opposite I don't need to prove that I'm you thought I was wild and so I need to prove that I'm not wild or you thought I was dumb so I need to prove how smart I am like yes I am from California and I love having fun and I love dancing and I love hip hop like and I'm a good person at the same time
1: from ABC it's no limits I'm Rebecca Jarvis, and each week we're talking to the most bold and influential women playing at the top of their game, trying to demystify success and what it really takes to get there and all of the trade-offs. Whether you're looking for answers or you just want to hear a good story, you're in the right place. On today's episode, how Nicole Richie has built a fashion empire. The Los Angeles native gained notoriety from an early age being the daughter of music legend Lionel Richie and traipsing around the country alongside Paris Hilton on The Simple Life. I watched that. Did you? But Nicole has proven herself to be so much more. She grew up with a passion for design, turning her dad's excess costume fabric into her competition ice skating outfits. And although she abandoned her dreams of being an Olympic ice skater, yes, she wanted to be an Olympic ice skater, she kept her design aspirations strong and eventually turned them into a business. House of Harlow, 1960. Now 10 years old, the company has carved out its own niche in the fashion world, and we caught up with Nicole at her office in L.A. to tell us how she did it. Nicole Ritchie, welcome to No Limits. I'm so excited. Um, I'm so excited. Thank you for having us to your office Thanks so much for coming. It's beautiful here. And the first thing you notice when you walk in is the smell. It's incredible. Yes. What is it? Oh, the room. The room.
0: (laughs) Um, The smell of the room is um, House of Harlow candles. Um, Which one is that? St. James. I did three candles, so... That is the St. James, probably combined with we burn. We burn a lot of
1: can- candles in here. Well, it smells great. Thank and you. And I love also, obviously, all of the beautiful clothing and Thank shoes. Thank you so much. Thank you. And of course, we noticed the collection, the the tape collection. That's my most important uh, element here.
0: Are the vintage? Did you see the All for One? Yes, tape. Obviously. That's very important. All for One, really key. That was my first concert ever also beaches let's not sleep on a beaches cassette which somebody just recently told me in this office she's 26 and she was like what's beaches this is what freaks me out what's beaches yeah are you insane (laughs) that's crazy I was like what do you mean when beneath my wings
1: she's like no I don't know what that I don't know what that is this is a this is a scary moment in our lives you're oh by the way it's tough times you're 36. I know this because yes. I'm 36 and our birthdays are a week apart. September 21st. September 28th. Oh so my I'm Libra. Gosh. Yes. You're Virgo. Yep. Um, but yeah, I was doing some research and I was like, wow, our birthdays, they're a week apart. We about. could
0: have joint birthday parties, except Sounds we're great. not the
1: same sign. So <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work out. Um, well, we're really happy to be here. Thank you for having us to your offices. I look at your life and everything that you've built at this point, at age 36. Yay. Do you feel that way? You I should. do.
0: I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. You know what? This has been, um, it's been a not long process, but like, yeah, it has been. It has been quite a process. And they're, um, you know, getting to where I am. and I'm by no means finished, but, you know, this has been... Um, definitely a journey. And although there's, of course, points of it where I'm like, oh, time has flown by so fast. There's other parts where I'm like, oh my gosh, like I was a totally different person. And when you Mm. think about building building a brand, especially, and being one person at 26 and another person at 36, you're like, Oh, my gosh. Like yeah, i t- I totally forgot about that. Like I was approaching it in such a in such a different way.
1: How was your vision? So House of Harlow now started yes. in two thousand and eight when you're twenty six? Yes. What was the vision back then? and what is it today?
0: Well, when I started, I was also uh, when I really decided that I wanted to do jewelry. It started off as just jewelry. And um I was also having a baby. And I was my entire life was about to change. And I was invested, but also being 26, you know, I was like, Oh, I'll see how this works. And it's, you know, def- it just started off as you know, I did a a small licensing deal. And um, it was just kind of a moment for me to see if it was something that I was even into. But like, Thinking about the future in your twenties is just something that like rarely happens, right? Like I didn't even have the mindset of okay, where do I want this to? How do I want to expand? Where where do I see myself in ten years? Like I wasn't asking myself those types of questions. Um, I was really just um, testing the waters and seeing if creatively it was something that spoke to me because I had been making, I had been making costume jewelry. For my friends and for myself, I do that all the time. I was traveling with my husband, um, and in every city that we're in, I have nothing to do during the day, so I would go to little kiosks and get you know anything, anything that was inspiring me, and and um, make jewelry out of it and bring it home. Like that was just what I like to do. But of course, building a business around it is a totally. Different thing. Um, so it started out as jewelry. Two years later, I expanded into apparel and footwear um, and then grew from there.
1: You, I read also, you, you talked about starting early. I read that you would design your ice skating costumes. That's right. As a kid? Yes. <laughs> so yes. you've always been into
0: design. So Nancy Kerrigan wore a Vera Wang. Figure skating dress to the Olympics. I don't know if you guys remember that, but it happened, and it was my first um, introduction, really, to uh, any sort of luxury brand. And that was my that was my life. I was very swept up in Nancy Kerrigan. She was everything to me. Like the Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan drama was like it turned. Culver City ice skating rink upside down, like I was in it. Um, anyway, so my my uh, my dad had two costume designers, a woman named Edna and a man uh, named Bill Witten, and they were making my figure skating outfits, um, all of my all of my competition outfits. And I would say what I wanted. I was like, oh, I want it to look like this, and I want it to look like this. And Edna had actually Edna and Bill, they had known they've known me since I was. 3 years old and they would always make me outfits out of my dad's excess um costume fa- fabrics. That's so cool. So um so finally when I when I was skating and when I was when I was competing I was like, "Oh, I want it to look like this and this." And she said to me, "Why don't you just come downtown and start making them, start designing and making them yourself." Um And it was so exciting for me. And I spent time downtown and it was like, there is an element of if you are at all a control freak, like there is this magical element of like having something in your mind and then just making it come to life. That's so exciting. And um, once you understand what the process is of doing that, it's really hard to go back. Are
1: you a control freak? I'm a Virgo, so (laughs) a little bit. Um, back to being a kid and growing up and growing up among a lot of celebrity, were you thinking at the time, I want to be an Olympic ice skater?
0: Yeah, obviously.
1: So you, I was like, you're on the path to that. Yes. Did, was there some moment that took you off that path?
0: I was training in Lake Arrowhead every summer. I went to Switzerland every November with my coach, Vaughn. I was in it. I was competing and I was in it. And I also, the older I got, I was a teenager and wanted to live that life too. And um, at 18, when I when I was 18, my parents were like, okay, well, you have to decide. Do you want to go to college or do you want to really go down this road? And so I chose college Did to you, while
1: out in college. Yeah. Did, were you worried about that decision? We had Allie Raisman on um, the show not that long ago, and she just talked about the level of commitment. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's almost impossible to even perceive how much dedication you have to have if you're on the way to the Olympics. Well,
0: I wasn't even in school. I was in tutorial school until 11th grade, 8th. Um, eight, uh, through tenth grade, I was going to school four hours a day in Malibu, and I was spending the rest of my time in Culver City just just training. Um, and I, by the way, was still like nowhere near getting to the Olympics. So it really takes over your entire life, um, and it just got to the point where I couldn't do both. And you know, my teenage wild years were just calling me, and I had <laughs> to, I had to uh, dive in. Do you ever feel grateful that those teenage wild years happened pre Instagram? I think about it every day. I'm like, I'm so
1: happy. I'm so happy. I think about the simple life a little bit um, when, when I was getting ready for this conversation and just thinking how different it was back then to watch you. And if there had been a Snapchat, we would see everything. I do think that these uh, teenagers are very mature to
0: beca- because they are so aware of what they're putting out mm-hmm. into the world. I was not, you know? So yeah, I'm like, I don't even know if I would have the self-control to be a teenager when all of that
1: existed. Well, they're thinking of it as branding today. Right,
0: right, right. Whereas Whereas, they're, they're like, no, I'm forming this into a business, when, which I also wasn't thinking about.
1: At what point did it occur to you that you wanted to start thinking of yourself as a brand and as a business?
0: Really, when I started House of Harlow and I didn't even think of it as myself. I mean, I had, I didn't have the brand under, under my name. Uh, after my first season of doing jewelry, I was like, okay, this is definitely what I want to do. And when you start a business, there's so, I mean, there's so many different ways you can go about building your business and a lot of different people in your ear. And um, I've definitely gone down, you know, multiple roads of how to build this brand. And um, there are so many uh, parts of this business that, I would have never understood other than it's time and experience. Some things like that's just what has to happen. Um, And, uh, you know, it was, I, I just, I knew I was like, this is what I want to do.
1: It's great. And you don't even know along the way if you're making those right decisions or not. You talk about all those voices in your head. You have, you have no idea. Not your own voices, but the people who are feeding into that. And I'm sure there was pressure When you started and it's an interesting choice to go with House of Harlow as the name because Mm -hmm. there were probably people saying like name it Nicole Richie. Yes, yes, there's there
0: are uh, endless people in your ear and also because uh, because it was a license uh, business. My licensing partners had a big say also Um, and you know. I at 26 couldn't have told you what my key stores were, what my key retailers that I wanted to be in were. I mean, we were just, you know, really just throwing everything out there and, and leaving the 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 decisions up to um, up to my partners, which does work for some people. But that's the it's those moments, those decision making moments where you're like, okay, well, I think, am I the type of person to care about where my stuff goes? Yes, I am, actually. So I'm going to take things this way. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a very gradual process. of, and, and each stage gives you an opportunity to understand yourself a little bit more. Um, and it's, it's a lot of looking inward and understanding what's important to you. What are your goals? What do you want out of this? How do you want to spend your time and understanding the value in your time? My time is the most valuable thing I have, especially now. I have two kids that need me also. My time is everything to me. So how I spend it, I'm very specific about.
1: Two kids. You're also a philanthropist with Baby to Baby. Yes.
0: How do you structure your time? How do I structure it? Do you wake up
1: at the same time every day?
0: I do, yes. I wake up at 5.30 every day. No one else is awake. It's just me. Um... And that's just my time just to be, just to be by myself. And um, I, I really do try and not um, – I, I I know myself. I know that I can get overwhelmed pretty easily. So I do have to put limits on myself and what I can do um, because it's extremely important to me to come and be somewhere and be 100% there. Um, but when you're excited about something and, I, you know, it's – it's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie, but it's so exciting, and it just gives me energy. It just makes me not tired. Like when I know that I'm doing something, and and it feels right, and it feels truthful, and aligned with who I want to be, then I don't know. It just it just gives me a different surge of energy. So you wake up at five thirty. Wake up at five thirty and do nothing. <laughs> Lay in bed.
1: Do you scroll through emails at that point?
0: No, 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 no. There's no emails. Um, that. That I wait for. Um, I'll read, or I'll just like lay there, Um, walk around the house alone. It's very peaceful and quiet. The birds start a chirping at around five fifteen a.m. So it's nice, you know. I feel like I'm waking up with the world. I feel like I'm waking up with nature. Um, and then my kids wake up at about six thirty, and that is like a wild race. Every single, that's the most exhausting part is getting them to school on time. Everything else <laughs> actually is kind of, is like actually kind of easy. The drives downtown. Like I can, I can, I can ha- handle all that. Are you an on time family? I am. Yes. Um, I am, my daughter is, my son doesn't care, uh, and my husband doesn't really, he, he, they're, he, they're fine being 15, 20 minutes late. I, my parents are late, and it's I, I hate it so much, I will never be late. Um, I also get anxiety feeling like people are waiting on me. I like to be somewhere early so that I can take my time.
1: I feel like I am always rushing and my parents totally taught me that. And Taylor's laughing because she knows that <laughs> I am always rushing and my parents taught me that because we were always like racing to get to school on time every single day. It's a
0: race every single day. It's like, it's like the Olympics. It really is. <laughs> I feel like it is a race every single morning.
1: When you think about your life, I would imagine that along the way, you have been underestimated. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Did you feel that way from a young age? Did that was that something that started when you started getting into the business side of things? Um yeah, I mean there is a certain level always of
0: feeling like you have to prove yourself. Um and then you get to a point where you know, right now I feel like because because this brand is has been around for 9 years, these, these nine years have been a constant process of letting go of everything that's not authentic to who I am. Um, And that's not easy. And I do feel like I'm now at a place where I can walk into a room with any man in this, in this industry, and I can have any wholesale meeting. And I feel confident in what I'm saying because it's the truth and nobody can question your inner truth. It's really about sticking
1: to who you are. Mm -hmm. I'm shaking my head in absolute agreement with you. And I also think the way you've described it, there is this progression. And I think it happens for all of us at some point. You start something earlier in life and of course there's gonna be the uncertainty and you're going to have the various people, factions telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. And early on, it's hard not to listen to that to some extent. Yes. And sometimes you're gonna do things along the way that you're sort of half in, half out. Yes. And then there comes a point where you know, you have the vision, you really strongly believe in it, you know it's resonating with people. Where was that turning point for you?
0: Well, building a business is something I had to learn. I am a creative at heart. It needs to mean something to me. So I decided to pull everything back, like like a decision to take all of my apparel out of wholesale because I just wanted to speak directly to my customer. And that was a decision that I, wa- that I was advised for a long time not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it got to a place where... I just, it just felt I, it was, it was pulling at me and it was just something that I wanted to do. And I wanted to speak directly to the girl and, you know, designing is like storytelling and it was really hard for me to ask somebody else to tell my story and to speak to the girl who I felt so
1: badly that I knew. Totally. I mean, there's so much, there's so much junk out there. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) there really is. And, you know, you might for anybody who shops or you're in the store and you think like, why is there such junk? Well, there's junk because... People are bending to the will of their investors. Yes, they're making choices to cut corners. Yes, and I often think, as a consumer, and to appeal to the masses, right? And to appeal to the masses, but even so, even the things that are meant to appeal to the masses that Mm -hmm. have been like the corners have been cut so heavily in, especially in apparel and retail, and that was somewhat an outcome of the Great Recession, which is basically the time when you're creating this business is like the the height of the financial crisis. And I often wonder if we're going to, like, see a swing back to more quality products. We're definitely seeing a swing back to people wanting to understand the genesis of their product, mm-hmm. wanting to understand the people behind the product, and they care more about it. The consumer is more conscious than ever before.
0: Yeah. L- listen, it's very easy to make whatever you want now, right? So, I mean, I, I was on on the boardwalk of Venice Beach yesterday and and – you know, you see 900 different versions of a heart-framed sunglasses and you're like, oh my gosh, I could, you know, It so how how much is this? And they're like, $5. And
1: you're like, oh my gosh, okay, great, okay, fine. Yeah, like I know I could make those for $0.30 yeah, cents yeah. and make an amazing margin on that.
0: And I think that people... Yeah, I do think that people do want quality things, but also if you're asking people to spend money, what they to to spend their own money, what they really want to be connected to is the story and the reason behind it. And that's what I found for my girl. And I also, um, you had said, oh, yes, that like just to appeal to everyone and taking advice from your investors. You really have to be okay saying to yourself, I'm not for everyone. And... Some people are I am not my and that bleeds further than my business. That's also just who I am. My my humor is very specific. I am a specific person. I have let go of trying to be everything to everyone. I do know that there is a customer and a girl that I am speaking to. And so I'm focusing on that. And I feel like we're in this dance together. And that feels better to me personally than asking everybody and begging everyone to just come and buy everything that I'm designing. What do you say
1: to the entrepreneur who's like, well, that's all fine and good, but you're Nicole Richie. So Mm -hmm. it's much easier for you to do that than it would ever be for me. You can hear more from Nicole Richie after a quick word from our sponsor. What do you say to the entrepreneur who's like, well, that's all fine and good, but you're Nicole Richie. So Mm -hmm. it's much easier for you to do that than it would ever be for me. I have I've done the opposite. I'm only
0: saying this now because I because I have done it. And you know what? If that's the road that you want to go down, you should absolutely do it and see if it see if it feels good to you. For me, it ripped me apart. I was no longer connected to a lot of different categories in my business, and I didn't know what was out there in the world, and it didn't feel like it, I wasn't necessarily connected to everything that I was creating, and that didn't feel good for me.
1: You wrote your best-selling book. The truth about diamonds. Woo, woo. <laughs> Will you do you want to write more books? Oh
0: my gosh. I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever write another book because I'm I'm a reader now, so I, I, I don't know. I mean
1: <laughs> You'd rather read them than write them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I also, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. Not today. How has your idea of success
1: changed over the years?
0: You know what? This brand had a very big Role In that and like it's like I like I was saying to you it's about my time and I really want to be proud of everything I'm doing I want to hold my head up high and say this is what I've created and this is what I'm doing and I'm doing this because it means something to me Than just throwing something out there because somebody tells me to do it and I've done that I've done it many times and it's fine. But you know what? You also have to, you have to go and you have to talk about it. You have to talk about it, even if you're not me, even if you're not on this podcast or doing a talk show. You have to go and self-promote whatever you are putting out into, into the world. And so I want to spend my time doing something that excites me and makes me feel good. And there's a lot that I want to do and plenty of it. And so that's, it's the only way that I want to spend my time.
1: With Baby to Baby, yes. um, tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing with the organization. So um, my best friend,
0: her name is Kelly Sawyer, and she's one of the presidents. Um, she runs it with a woman named named Nora. So the they give gently used items to families in need within the community um, and raise money to get diapers and clothing, cribs, car seats, everything that... Uh, mothers who are living under the making under the 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 po- poverty line um, need. You know, I wanted to really understand the business more, and so I was really taking a. Um, I've been spending a lot of time with them and really diving in and understanding. It's more than just giving items to mothers. It's really understanding how this how this state and how our city is set up. So. You know, it took me asking questions of, well, why? Why is it this way? Why are? Why can't they like? What about this? What about this? And re- really understanding that, um, that you know, it's not easy for uh, for a mom who has two kids at home to take a bus that costs money to get to Target, which is not in her community, or to a Costco to get diapers. I had no idea that diapers were taxed as a luxury item, and so they really are trying to change the way that our city is run. Um, And in that, you know, you, it gave me an opportunity to say to myself, uh, you know, okay, how do, how do I feel like I can make the biggest difference in this? So of course I'll, I go to the events and the gala and I, you know, donate our books and our clothes to kids. That's Very easy. But spending time with these families and really understanding um, the concept of being born and raised basically, understanding that like you're never going to have a chance that's really heartbreaking. Um, And instead of just feeling bad for them, I really want to help them. And, you know, if you want to make a difference in the world, You can make the biggest difference by starting within your own community, by starting small, starting either with the schools in your neighborhood, you know, but really building up your community um, can make
1: such a difference Mm -hmm. in the world. I absolutely agree with that. And I also think, you know, oftentimes you think about a really big problem. Right. And so how do you solve a really big problem Mm -hmm. Well, you have to start? You have to start somewhere. And I think a lot of people get so wrapped up in solving this big problem that they don't start. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of moving forward a little yes. bit. What else is there, Nicole? What are the other big things? Well,
0: I'm still trying to be
1: Britney Spears's backup
0: dancer, <laughs> working on that. Um, build, building building this brand. I mean, I had to. I really had to pull back for a minute and get focused and centered about who I am and what I'm saying to the world, um, and. I also want my kids to see that I'm working hard to achieve what I want. And like you said, it's a very crowded space right now. There's a lot of people doing doing a lot of things. And I don't need to take up space just doing things just because.
1: I mean, I feel it in my world. Yeah. Even as a journalist, mm-hmm. you're constantly reminded of what you're not doing on social media. Or yes. Where you you're not... You're not at this particular You could be thing. more
0: active on social media. You could right. go to this party. And I say, our, my publicist is in the room, Kate Rosen, Woo-hoo! everybody.
1: And Henry. And Henry, my <laughs> other publicist,
0: who is a three-pound cockapoo. We'll post um, a picture. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there have been many times I've said to, actually not Kate, because she totally gets me, but I've said to, I haven't been with Kate the whole time, but I'm like, I don't need to be at this party for what? Like there are so many people that are there and they're doing it. And like, I just don't need to do that. I would rather spend my time doing it this way. Um, And that's just getting to know yourself. It's just, it's just time and Mm -hmm. it's just listening to trusting your intuition and listening to yourself.
1: Is there anything you did along the way that helped you get there? Like were you deliberate about it or did it sort of evolve over time?
0: I think that it's really come from making the mistakes of saying yes to a lot of things and not feeling great about them, of, you know, answering to a department store of how they want something done a totally different way, and me doing it, and then it's out in the world, and I can't fully stand behind it. And it and it doesn't work, mm-hmm. also. It mm-hmm. did, didn't work. Maybe if it worked, I'd be, say, you know, <laughs> saying something different, but... It does not work for me. It's just not for me.
1: Yeah, I think there's almost nothing worse than taking someone else's advice, going against your own instincts, and it doesn't work. Yeah, and and then you just kick you're yourself like, because why you think, did I, I do? I knew this. In I would my rather gut. something not work that I m-
0: and I made that Test decision one hundred percent, and then I can even stand behind the mistake. Yeah, but how foolish do you feel being like, oh, I only made that mistake because somebody else told me to do it? That's like a double loss. Yeah. Toughest lesson along the way. Yes. Oh, what is the I toughest I thought you were le- saying that's the toughest lesson. <laughs> well, it also
1: sounds like yes. it could be. Is that the toughest lesson?
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Toughest lesson along the way is taking other people's or, you know, just kind of losing yourself, losing your signature and your DNA with all of the noise around you. The noise is so loud. But I don't even know if I could, like, I really... Even if I could go back and do it all over again, I really don't know if I could have just made those decisions in my 20s. Like, I really feel like the only reason why I can so easily say, yes, this is what I want to do, or no, this is not what I want to do, is because of the nine years that I've been building this brand.
1: If you could go back to 14-year-old Nicole,
0: what would you tell her? Stop over-tweezing your eyebrows. Um stopping an animal. And lucky you that you get to spend time in school all day. I did not appreciate education at all. And I live and die for it now. And like if someone could stick me in a school where I just learn for eight hours a day, I would be so happy and so lucky. Um, That's my biggest, the biggest part of my 14 year old self that I'm really bummed about.
1: Do you think she would listen to you? No. (laughs) (laughs) I will. I was thinking maybe because it's you, you would know how to get through to her.
0: Mm, Maybe. I don't think so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's the worst advice you've received along the way?
0: Worst advice. Well, I was I mean, this is not a this is not a business thing, but I was pregnant with my daughter and no one knew and it was maybe going to come out. And I got on the phone with this publicist who was on my team but she wasn't my publicist and she gave me a 15 minute, minute speech about something that Britney Spears did and two other people did and so that's what I needed to do and I got off the phone with her and I was like this person does no I don't know what we're talking about I don't I by the way I am the biggest Britney Spears fan like you can be a fan of somebody all you want but I'm like I was like that's not that has not, this has nothing to do with me. I'm not just doing something because other people did that. I have to stay true to who I am. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Can I ask what it was? Oh, she was like, you should,
0: you should just go out, out. and so, I was like nine weeks pregnant. I wasn't even, I wasn't even 12 weeks. And I'm like, no, it's, but my doctor has, to, I have right, right, told right. my friend, I don't know what you're talking about. And she was like, it was so, so long. It was no, like a, make remember, a big show of it but right it was now. Like, Britney Spears did it this way. And I was like. I'm, but I'm not Brit Brit. I don't know what we're talking about. No, but I actually, I think that it was so separate from who I was. And I was being, I was being thrown into this celebrity bucket. And she's Mm -hmm. like, you got it. You'll do it this way. And I, and I was like, no, I'm not just, I'm not like just a famous person. I am a, I'm a human being and this is how I feel. And you know, it was. I think that it's bigger than
1: what the it's moment bigger is to than your just, career or yes, a moment. Yes, this, yeah. is, this is my life. Yeah. this is my life completely. A hundred percent. Did you communicate that or did you just kind of take it with a grain of salt? I self, didn't really know her. I think done. I got
0: off the phone with her. I was like, I'm never talking to that woman again. It <laughs> wasn't even bad. I was just like, this is this is a this is a waste of 12 minutes. You will constantly be given the opportunity to lose yourself, always. It's never-ending. It doesn't just go away. You can't cut that many people out of your life and just assume that it's not going to happen. That is a part of life. It's up to you to root yourself into the ground and understand who you are. And if something doesn't feel aligned with you, then you just politely just say, no, thank you, and move on. (laughs) You're so grounded. I'm so grounded.
1: You really are. <laughs> no, but you. I mean I I, I was joking, across, but thank you. But no, you really do. You come across as very grounded and very down to earth. And I have to say, like back in the day when I watched you on The Simple Life, maybe you didn't feel me you as were you were that, that person. Okay. Um I'll take that. But- any other thoughts you had of me? <laughs> Love the outfits. <laughs> um Henry. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's a really refreshing thing to see that. People can change or Mm -hmm. people can evolve is a better way of putting it.
0: Yeah. And you know what? I think there was a – there was this public perception of me that was – that was like, you're so all over the place and whatever it was that you thought, I'm sure you don't want to say it on this podcast, (laughs) but I can tell by the look in your eye that it wasn't the best. Um, And then that puts pressure on you to prove yourself to be the opposite, Right. right? And then you kind of get, and I've experienced that even going into the fashion industry, being from California is not what people wanted to hear 10 years ago. You live in New York. Like, building a brand and being from California was was just, like, not... It's different now. And then I get... And then I have gotten to a place multiple times where I'm just like, no, I'm actually just going to dive into who I am. You know? It's not like... I don't need to prove to be the opposite. I don't need to prove that I'm, you thought I was wild and so I need to prove that I'm not wild or you thought I was dumb so I need to prove how smart I am. Like, yes, I am from California and I love having fun and I love dancing and I love hip hop, like, and I'm a good person at the same time, you know? So like, like those moments where you feel like you have to prove yourself to be the opposite are just as important. But I'm also grateful for them because they've given me the opportunity, you know, to really just lean into who I am. Nicole Ritchie.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you guys. This was really fun.
0: It was so fun. Do you want to stay?
1: Yeah. Okay, great. I'll (laughs) dress
0: you. We can try on clothes.
1: (laughs) It is the end of the interview, which means it's time for our No Limits Entrepreneur of the Week, where we feature one of you, one of our amazing listeners who's building something of your own. And this week's No Limits Entrepreneur is Christy Cohut. She's an artist and the CEO of Christy Cohut Studio. Now, Christy calls herself an art liar, which I love because she describes herself as an outlier in the art world. Traditionally, galleries have been the gatekeepers to art collectors. Artists have to go through a gallery to sell their art and be seen. But Christy has set out to upset that status quo. She says she's part of a new wave of artists using Instagram to connect directly with collectors, and it is working for her. She tells us that since launching her studio in 2014, she just hit the million-dollar mark in sales, with 97% of that being online, mainly from Instagram or her website. So, she's used social media really well, really smart, and she's done collaborations with big brands like Anthropology and West Elm. Plus, she was named one of the seven Next Big Thing artists by El Decor magazine. That's a big deal. Here she is to tell you how she did it.
0: Hi there. I'm Christy Kohut, an artist and entrepreneur based in Chicago. After spending years in the mad world of advertising, I decided to leave that hustle and start my own shortly after my son was born.
1: And it has become bigger than I ever could have imagined. I'm hoping through my work to tear down the traditional barriers that exist in the art world and
0: connect with collectors directly. I've been named one of El Decor's seven Next Big Thing artists, and so far my work has been sold at places like the Museum of Contemporary Art, Chicago,
1: Anthropology, and West Elm. My art is considered mixed media, and I love creating bold, shimmery pieces that lift you out of the everyday. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad I got to share my story with you. That is so cool, Christy. First of all, love that you're a Chicago girl. Whoop, whoop, Chicago represent. <laughs> We can never give up an opportunity to highlight Chicago, can we, Taylor? Um, Also, the picture in the background. If you take a look at the Instagram, we'll post the video up on Instagram. The painting that uh, Christy has in the background is really cool. So take a look at that. Congratulations, Christy. Continued success. Remember, again, Instagram is where you can find her story and more about Christy and her business. My Instagram, at Rebecca Jarvis. And don't forget, if you or someone you know should be featured here on No Limits as the Entrepreneur of the Week, you can send me those nominations. Also send me those career questions. Both can go here to no limits with RJ podcast at gmail.com. I know how busy we all are. I love it when you take the time to write. I really do. I read all of the messages. I try and respond as quickly as possible. So thank you for your patience to those of you who might still be waiting. We love it when you reach out to us. We love it when it sounds like the things that we're doing are resonating with you. And I love it when we can help work with you and set you up with our community to do big things in your life i also want to say thank you thank you thank you to those who have been leaving us reviews like kelsey who says such a great podcast and really great to hear rebecca outside of broadcast can focus on the interviews great production so Thank you, Kelsey. It really means a lot. I love doing this podcast. I love that it's an opportunity for me outside of Good Morning America and World News and Nightline to have these great conversations with phenomenal women. Also, a shout out to the team here that helps make this happen week after week. My producer, Taylor Dunn, editor Michelle Bancardo, research assistant Annie Osakwe, and the ABC radio team, David Rind, Elizabeth Russo, Josh Cohan, Andrew Kelb, and Steve Jones.